Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what is up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for ambitious students looking to learn more efficiently and get ahead, but a terrible resource for learning how to fight criminals with your nose hairs. Though there is an anime, I think bo, 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 you can watch. Bo, 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 bo. <laughs> is that the correct amount of bows? I don't remember. I believe it's bo, 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 bo. Yeah, yeah, There's I think I did it. I think, I think, yeah. It's three, one, two. And back when Google was really bad, way, way back, if you didn't Google it correctly, you wouldn't get it sometimes. But now it knows. Well, yeah, you just put it, Bo into Google and you're going to probably fair. get that anime. Yeah. I forgot anyway, about that. It's a good show. Maybe it's a good show. I don't actually remember if it was a good show. I have no idea. I just remember being on Toonami. Anywho, my name is Thomas Frank and I'm here as always with my good friend Martin Baby. What's up? Uh, Not much, Tommy. Are you feeling balanced as all things should be? Uh... Yes, but um, in like a cooler Wait. way that makes more sense than... Did you call me Tommy? Yeah, I did. I'm... I don't like that. I do <laughs> like it because this guy's Tommy. Uh, Unless we're putting the word rotten at yeah, the end of I, that. Yeah, yeah. I don't... See, I don't want to be perfectly balanced if it's in like a Thanos way because he's all like, I don't change my philosophies for 30 years while I gain increasing power. He's still doing his... T- I don't like, see anything wrong If with I that. went back to the poems I wrote as a teenager and was like, this is a good life philosophy, I'm probably going to find that I should have shifted my views. I think governmental policy should be based on like adolescent or prepubescent poetry. Based on like your your traumatic stress as a child. That's yeah. where we should just force the universe. All to... the poems we wrote in, as sixth graders. I feel for players, him. Those you know, should be but written into the Constitution. He should, really, he should really reconsider whether... His perspective may have shifted it or could shift. Yeah. He could grow. Infinite power, I guess you could, you know, wish for infinite resources. He could do something like that. He could do lots of stuff. He could just sterilize. Anyway. Yeah, anyway, whatever. This you know, we're not talking about humane ways to do stuff like that. No. We are gonna talk about balance, but uh, not in a Thanos way. Because I wanna talk about work life balance. Or I guess for a lot of the people watching this podcast, it's gonna be school life balance yeah or maybe school yeah. work extracurriculars life balance some sort of some balance kind of balance between your life yeah. parts i, I kind of just like hash out what this means because the term gets thrown around all the time but i feel that most of us rarely feel we have actually achieved it and i would say that the two of us being 27 years old uh both would probably not say we have achieved that for most of the time. Is it called work-life balance when you can't get your work out of your head till two in the morning? <laughs> I don't think so. I would call that a work-life imbalance. Uh-oh. Ooh, here's a good barometer for you. Would your girlfriend say that your life is currently balanced? Because <laughs> I don't think she would. <laughs> um, not... At soon, maybe soon. Okay. Soon, maybe I'm gonna learn from this episode too. Yeah. Well, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. 
And I've been thinking about that word soon because I feel like you and I have been saying soon for oh, yeah, yeah. several it's so, years. It's so easy to do Work that. and life will be balanced just after we finish this project or just after we hit a certain income goal. And yet it never seems like it is. No, there's always something new. Yeah. So, you know, I suppose if we were to put a, a textbook definition on work-life balance, it would be achieving a state where you feel like you have your life in order and your work in order, and there's a nice balance between them. Yeah, um, you don't feel like you're sacrificing too much of one for the other. Yeah. You're, you're good. And I think this is a term that gets thrown around a lot because a lot of people don't feel like they have it. Otherwise, why would you talk about it? It's like the absence of oxygen. You usually don't think about the fact yeah. that you have oxygen. So I think somebody with a perfectly balanced work and life would not think about it so much. No, I think the only reason that they would bring it up would be because they're contrasting their position with the norm. If mm -hmm. the norm was to be balanced, we wouldn't even we'd be like, what do you mean? Yeah. You're not. So I've been thinking about this for possibly the opposite reason that most people think about it, which is that over the past maybe two months, I feel like my life, aside from work, has been going really well. I've been spending a lot more time with Anna, been having a lot more in-depth conversations with her, been spending time with uh, friends, sometimes you when you're not coding. That's true. Started rock climbing. I got into mountain biking, so I've been actually using my free time in a fulfilling manner, not just coming home and watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine or playing video games. Uh, though I've been doing some of that too. And I feel like my athletic progress has been on point. My diet's been on point. Things have been going good. But at the same time, I feel like the quality of my work, while not bad, hasn't been pushing the envelope lately. And I, I also haven't really had like the motivation to push it. And I kind of felt guilty about that. Because I'm like, am, you know, am, I supposed, am I supposed to be doing this kind of work if I don't feel motivated about it all the time? If I don't feel like I'm artistically pushing the envelope all the time? And I started just sort of like following this narrative in my head that if I was no longer uber passionate about work all the time, then I either needed to get out of it or I didn't deserve to be doing it, all these things. So uh, I went to LA for a conference last week and I talked to my friend Roberto about this. And he said something that I wanted to share here because it was pretty eye-opening for me, which was that all businesses and almost all careers operate in cycles. And most things operate in cycles. Or if you want to think about it in terms of like pendulum swings, there's always like a swing in one direction, but it's going to come back and swing in the other direction at some point because of the momentum. And most people when running a business have periods of time where they're really pushing the envelope, moving the needle, doing new things. And then there are periods of time where you may just be on maintenance mode because you've built systems that allow you to do the work you need to do, but you're not staying up all night or you're not you know, building brand new things all the time. You're just doing the work you do. And you don't have to feel guilty about the fact that you're in that part of a cycle because it probably means you're going to be moving to an artistically challenging part of the cycle later. It doesn't mean you just, I don't know, failed or you're done. Yeah, and if anything, that kind of a break is probably like you're storing up that energy you need. Yeah. You know, you're preparing the spirit bomb. You can't just do it out of nowhere all the time. You run out. That's true. If you don't take the break, your creative energy is going to get exhausted, and then how can you push the envelope? Yeah. So 
I think that is helping me be okay with achieving a work-life balance where not everything is firing on all cylinders all the time, even if the thing that isn't currently firing on all cylinders is the thing that society seems to tell us that needs to always be firing on all cylinders. And I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. I still feel uneasy about the fact that I'm not putting literally everything I have into my career at the moment. But the weird thing is, when I was doing that, I didn't feel so guilty about the fact that I wasn't working out every day, or maybe I didn't spend as much time with Anna as I should, or maybe that my diet wasn't optimized. Those things I felt that I could optimize those later. It's almost like your your brain automatically accepts the cycle concept and almost uses it as a crutch sometimes, because you tell yourself like, oh, I can fix those things later easily. And then when you get to that later point, yeah. you're like, no, no, go back to work. Yeah, but work-wise, yeah, work-wise, you don't think, oh, I can... I can fix work later. You think if I'm not doing literally everything that I could possibly do right now, then I'm a failure. Yeah, I can't say that that's not likely a societal thing. Capitalism will Mm -hmm. probably do that. I mean, nobody rewards me for my good health except for myself. Yeah, no one, no one else. I don't. No one cares. No one says, "Wow, Martin, you're doing a really good job of keeping up." Like they don't care, but they might be interested if I can't pay the bills. The the apartment complex doesn't call me. Yeah. To reward me for sticking to my goals. That's true. Maybe your girlfriend does, though. She might. She might. But yeah. Uh, I just, I felt that the having having that conversation was very helpful. Um, and I don't know. Where do you feel like you're at with your work-life balance right now? Well, right now, I am nearing completion of a project that has 2017 in its name on Trello. <laughs> so... I am willingly accepting an overworking period okay. because I would like that 2017, anything related to 2017 yeah. should be done now. Yeah. It should be gone. I, there, you know, there are tons of reasons that it's not been like done, but it's just annoying to have a single project in my head for that long to whatever mm-hmm. degree because I like, I like to move on to the next thing. So right now, I want to finish it. I don't care. That's, that's where I want to be balanced for like this week or the next week after that. So you're willingly accepting an imbalance. Yeah. Okay. However, I'm also trying to sort of bring back some of my uh, goals and um, starting to exercise again Mm -hmm. after not for a while after the surgery and then finger, finger surgery. If you, if you're, if you haven't been uh, listening to all these, you can't see that I'm in a splint finger surgery. I'm not dying. I just broke my finger. Yeah. Um, There was a whole episode about you almost dying. Yeah. There's a whole episode about it, but it wasn't like. I didn't get a new lung or something. It's not that serious right now. Um, But I'm trying to get my exercise back. Uh, I've been maintaining language and photography for a bit, but I'm starting to push myself a little bit. I have seen some photos. Just a little bit I'm pushing myself. You know, just like I'll go out for for a little bit. I'll take like these, these, I'll just take like one or two photos. And one of those photos that I took of like the leaf in the snow is like probably my favorite photo that I've taken at this point. And... It's just because I'm pushing myself just a little. And I accept that I can't go out for hours and do that. Yeah. I have to accept I'll get one good photo today. That's that's going to be awesome. But for now, the majority of the time, it's like going to be 80% work, 20% other stuff. Mm-hmm. What's your plan for moving back into a period of balance after the project's done? Which we can tell people what it is. Oh, yeah. It's We've just, been uh, redesigning the website. Yeah, it's just the website. But it's, 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 it's kind of it's huge. huge. It's got like... <laughs> uh, it's... You know, it's you, it's old, so it's got a lot of stuff that needs to be maintained. Yeah, eight years of content, you can't just drag and drop a new site 
with all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, I got to make sure at least most <laughs> of it's not broken. And I mean, there's a lot of upgrades we want to make. Yeah. I mean, we're trying to make it super fast and super SEO friendly and all that kind of stuff. So it's a big project. But yeah, it's been going on for a long time too. Yeah. But um, I guess after that, after that's done, which is hopefully soon. Right now, I'm, I'm sort of doing these specific goals related to exercise, little small versions for the next couple weeks, for mm-hmm. the rest of October. But if I can get the, the site launched and you get the majority of stuff that I want to do right after launch done, just, just a little bit of stuff that seems like really necessary, then I would like to set maybe some more audacious goals for, okay. for November. November. Oh, okay. That's the next one. Yeah. I had to I had to do the months in my head. <laughs> uh, I'm bad at that kind of stuff sometimes. But I'd, I'd like to just like start with just a little goal that's related to one of my hobbies to kind of push me into what it's like to give more of my time to a project again. Yeah. Sort of respecting my hobbies again. Hmm. Yeah. You know what? So I've been thinking about this whole work thing. And... It's possible that I'm not even in a maintenance period. I'm just in a period where it feels like maintenance because there isn't some new and exciting thing from my vantage point. Like there's not some new editing technique that I've been learning. But I suppose one thing that I'm trying to do right now is get on a consistent weekly schedule with videos, which I haven't been on for a very long time. And I've never been on with an editor. So I suppose like we're kind of pushing the business in that area. It's yeah, just, it's, it's like it's growing, invisible like, system level changes that aren't satisfying. Yeah. Like it, they just, they make the systems run more smoothly. It does improve stuff, Yeah, but it's hard to specifically look at a thing and say that thing is brand new because it's just, you're doing the same thing better. Yeah, that's true. So let's talk about how people listening to the show can yeah. better achieve a work-life balance because I think most people are probably not finding themselves in my situation. Probably Where not. they're just like, everything is going great and work is like to a level where it can support everything and now I'm just like not feeling fulfilled in it. I think, you know, very few people are going to find themselves in that state of mind. Most people are going to find themselves with too much work on their plates and a feeling like they can't, you know, spend time cooking. They can't make time for the gym. They don't have time to hang out with friends. How do you build that thing up? Yeah. And I want to give an analogy that I heard. Uh, I think I heard this first on the Cortex podcast with CGP Gray, but I don't think that this was his analogy. I think there's been many versions of this over the years. But he basically said, like, you should picture your life as if it were a sequence of four light bulbs. And you get to choose how much energy goes into each one. So you could have all four of them, say they are uh, work and health and family and free time. Uh, You could have all four of them kind of like dimly lit. Or you could have one light up very brightly, but then you have very little energy left over. So you may have to completely turn one off or just put it on complete back burner mode. And this is essentially how life works. Like you can optimize a lot, but there's no way you can put 100% conceptually into every single light bulb. So you can't go 100% on health, but also go 100% on work and 100% on family. It just doesn't work out like that. Yeah. Now, something I don't think they talked about, but I wanted to bring up, is the fact that the internet and marketing and uh, self-development 
content, our show included, I think raises the bar in people's minds as to how bright each of their light bulbs needs to be or could be. Like if you're constantly listening to podcasts or watching videos or being exposed to advertising, telling you that you could be, you know, an amazing athlete with six pack abs and have a six figure business and have the best relationship ever and also have tons of free time and work a four hour work week. Like that's a pretty high threshold for all those light bulbs. And you may compare that to where you're at right now and feel like all of your light bulbs are pretty dim and feel dissatisfied. And I think that a huge thing that contributes to people feeling out of balance is that they have this frame of reference that's been set by other people and by potentially inaccurate representations of other people and they feel like they're not like uh, they're not living up to it so maybe part of this is just accepting that all of these hyper optimized pictures and images that you see and messages that you get are probably not realistic at least if you want to have a balanced life you know most of the people touting these super optimized images are either lying to you or they've basically put all of their their skill points into that area. And they're not showing you that, you know, they have a six-figure business, but they're super out of shape. Yeah, or they're not like showing their wife you the downsides. Exactly. It's yeah. kind of like the productivity version of having nothing but photoshopped like models on the pic- on the magazines. Yes. It's the productivity exactly. version of that. Yeah. And I think I I know a few people who seem to have it all together in all those areas, but they're very few and far in between. And invariably, they are people who, in a previous period of their life, put a ton of effort and time into a self-sustaining system that now basically gives them free time. Yeah. So maybe it's people that I know who have built an online business that has like a course for sale and people just keep buying it. And they're like, cool. So I don't have to build a course every single week. I can you know, work and maintain that, but now I have time to work on my health or work on my nutrition. Like they invested in a way that yeah. lets them more easily power one of those the specific light bulbs later on. Exactly. Like this one is now an energy efficient light bulb because yeah. they invested in LEDs. Yeah, actually. So when I used to go to church in high school, uh, I think that like the, the most vivid memory I have from church was this analogy that the pastor gave on stage where he had one guy take a block of wood and start screwing screws into it with a, with a screwdriver. And then... He got out a power drill and he took a little bit of time getting it out of the case and plugging it into a plug strip. And that took some time to set up that it didn't take the guy with the screwdriver, but then he just drilled him in like super quickly. Yeah. Like he, the other guy got started quicker. Yeah. But, and I guess the analogy there was to represent this difference between maybe like a linear progression graph versus a exponential one where progress may seem slow in the beginning because you're setting things up that don't have an immediate payoff, but once those things are set up, they set into motion a machine that can do a lot more work much more quickly. So when people see a lot of those other people who seem to have a super balanced life, a lot of times that is the reason because they had an invisible period of time where they were building something that now allows them to be a little bit more optimized. And I think this is useful to keep in mind, number one, because it will help you to not make such comparisons to those people with your own life, but also realize that you may be able to do the same thing. Yeah. And it might just take patience. And it's hard to predict that exponential growth. 
there. It's very so, so like you, you're like, well, it's going to take me 30 billion years to do that. But mm-hmm. like J.K. Rowling was in a terrible position until yeah. one day, eventually, she invested enough and Harry Potter paid off. And now it's very clear that she can keep a lot of her life going with far less effort. Yeah. But you, it's not like we were all hanging out looking at how like terrible her situation was before and how much yeah. she had to struggle to make it happen. Yeah, it's very true. And I mean, to be completely honest, like if we wanted to, I think you and I could put the business on maintenance mode actual maintenance mode and optimize life for a while <laughs> we're just not the kind of people who <laughs> tend to do that <laughs> yeah i don't, I don't want to like and i mean you know i said maintenance mode earlier at the beginning of the show because we're building systems to get weekly and i'm not you know spending 50 hours editing a video mm-hmm. but we've been doing this for eight years and we are honestly to the point where i could p- probably take you know six months off and just like live off the savings, but and yet, if we invest at least part of our time during those six months, yeah, what could it unlock in the future? That's true, and I think about that a lot. And like, what if you, what if we just stop for a while just to like regroup and think? I don't want to do that, but it's something I think about quite often, actually. Uh, the other thing I was thinking about, though, is I never allow myself to do that, but I wake up every single day and feel like I'm spending most of it working, but in reality, I'm not getting as much done as I could in those hours. So this goes to another conversation I had in LA with uh, one of my friends who runs the Charisma On Command channel. He was saying like he and Charlie work, I think three to four hours a day right now. And his belief is that working three to four hours a day actually forces them to push the needle with the business because if they have a super constrained amount of time, then they have to be super effective with that time. So, so they limit it. They limit it. Well, I don't think I don't think they put a hard limit on the time, but I think they put more that's emphasis their, on their things main. in life. Okay. Yeah. So maybe they have a boxing class they go to, or maybe they just like have things planned so that they only spend a certain amount of time during the day. Um, and that's definitely something that I want to work on because there's a lot of my work time that is spent on things that feel like work but don't actually bring about meaningful results like checking emails or looking at analytics or spending too much time analyzing something that at the end of the day doesn't matter. Like, oh, should we take on this small sponsor or should we you know, add this one little tiny feature to the website that probably wouldn't really move the needle that much. And if I were to sit there and get outside of my own head and ask myself like, hey, Tom, would that actually bring more value than just making a better video? No, it wouldn't. Yeah. And that's what they were telling me. Like they are just spending the time, they're just spending their time on things that they know matter for their business. That's that essentialism yes. mindset because if you're inefficiently spending your energy, that's energy that could have gone toward your life yeah. if you're putting it all in work and you're just like messing around for, what is it? Um, I don't remember the statistic, but I know I've read that like people who work office jobs like spend an absurd amount of their eight hours just kind of messing around on the internet. Yeah. And like that's a waste of time for them and for the company. The company could feasibly, could they could feasibly pay them the same amount for the amount of time they're actually working. They, yeah, they're they not going to could. because, the, you know, the images in their head, they don't, why would they do that? They don't want to reward you yeah. for something most of the time. But realistically they could do that because all the work's happening in like these four hours of the day and these four hours are just both of you wasting your time yeah exactly and i forget the statistic but there was also something about 
employees spending like four hours of their work week or possibly more on email. Yeah. And a lot of the, a lot of them are just reply all chains. It or says, yep, spam, I'll be at the meeting. Or, yeah. Or meetings. Like meetings. And I think that's one area where we've done well because we just canceled our meetings. Yeah. Because we used to have one every Monday. And I feel like a lot of it was just, what are you going to do? Oh, you know, the thing that you trusted me to do. The same thing. Like, why do you need to Try to, to take over the world or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you going to do? And I feel like especially for you, the meetings were not very useful because I remember most of them being me and Ransom talking about maybe it's like small content, content changes. And stuff, and I'm just like, I'm coding. That's exactly it. You're just sitting there like, my job is to code. I could have been doing this for a full hour while you guys were talking. Yeah. So we just completely killed the meetings. So I came home from that conference with a mind to do that even better. So I went through Evernote and I think this is something that people may want to try to do themselves. And I just tried to list in a table everything that I do in a given workday. And I tried to add new things as I thought about them. Maybe they're things I only do once a month or once a week, but they still go on the list. And then I went through and I categorized each one uh, to basically figure out what I should do in the future with that thing. So maybe it's do more. Like writing videos, do more. Yeah. Um, you know, practicing athletics or writing music, do more. I want to do more of those. Maybe it's some things that I should keep doing because they are where I'm effective or because I just want to do them. Grocery shopping was one of those things. I actually like walking to Whole Foods and grocery shopping, and I like cooking. So cooking and grocery shopping, even though they're not like the things that Thomas Frank does best in the world. And they're definitely something that somebody else could do for me. I categorize those as keep doing because I enjoy them. Yeah. But there were a lot of things that were clear, either delegation tasks or things that could just be completely automated. I know we have uh, we have one task that comes up probably twice a month where our agency will reach out and be like, hey, how many how many downloads did this podcast get? The sponsor wants to know. And there's no way to publicly show those statistics right now. So I have to go in and count them and then add them to the YouTube views and then send that over. Yeah. And it probably takes five minutes, but it's five minutes that interrupts the flow of whatever work I could have been doing that was more important. So we found out there's an API for that and you're going to build a tool that just makes a table that they can look at whenever they want. That's yeah. out of my hair forever. Or things like doing my laundry uh, or cleaning my apartment. I could do these things, but my time is worth more than I would pay someone to fold my laundry or clean my apartment. So we're going to finally hire someone to clean the apartment. And um, I basically like asked Anna if she would be willing to take on some more pay to just help me deal with all this stuff that I don't want to have in my brain. So I'm like, you don't have to do my laundry, but you have to figure out how to get it done. And we may just have a service pick it up. And it's weird because when I was younger, I felt like only super rich people did those kind of things. And maybe it sort of labeled me a lazy person or I don't know, like too good for that kind of work. But when I think about it objectively, if the work that I'm doing is more important than that and it generates more income than that, then taking time away from that work is ineffective in two ways. It means that I can't do the work that I'm good at and the work that actually moves the needle in the world and changes lives. But it also means that the people out there who want to do that work can't do it because I'm doing it. Yeah. Like there are people out there who want to clean apartments because it will make them a good living. And I'm like, just, 
I'm just going to put my work on the side here so I can clean my own apartment. It's kind of yeah, silly. Yeah, probably shoddily in comparison. Very shoddily. And this, and this, <laughs> not a good isn't, just, this isn't just like... Yeah, because, you know, that specific one, it does have, like, a gut feeling of, like, oh, look at me. I don't have to do my laundry. But exactly, we yeah. all do this to some degree because I could save money if I made my own soy milk. I've done it before, and oh, yeah. I like doing it. I like stuff like that. So I will do it in the future, and I could save money. But the time it takes me, because uh, soy milk in particular is, is more complicated than, like, cashew milk, which is really easy. Mm-hmm. And then um, that time might cost me a lot more potential income or happiness than I could just spend to go buy the soy milk that yeah. somebody else made. Like, we're doing this in some degree for lots of things. Yeah. Laundry, because it's a traditional household chore, feels special, but it's just an extension of the logic we apply to, like, every single thing we buy ourselves. I think traditional household chores just have this sort of exalted place because you feel like you're supposed to be responsible for your living area. Yeah. But I mean, we go out and we basically use professional chauffeurs all the time when we take an Uber somewhere. That's yeah. really not that well, different. Well, Ron like Swanson just someone. like built the built a ring out of like yeah. melted metal and stuff. You know, we could do that also, sure. but we we aren't going to hand do every single thing in our lives. It yeah. makes sense to delegate to other people. Yeah. And for the longest time I've been refusing to do that whether out of pride or some sort of societal obligation saying like you need to be the person who cleans your own apartment or and I think this is the biggest one for me, just control. Like, I know that I do it this way, so I'm comfortable with that. And there's like this assumption that bringing somebody else in to do it means it's not going to be done as well. And something I've learned as a business owner, and I'm trying to apply this to my personal life now, is number one, people who are professionals will often do the job better than you will especially if it's something that you're not trained at or that, that you don't do every day, like cleaning my apartment. I, I don't do a good job at that, to be honest. But even if they don't do it as well as you would do it, you didn't have to do it. Yeah. So like, would you accept 85% of the work you would do and 100% of those hours back? Possibly. That does sound like a good trade if you can do it. Yeah. This week's episode of our show is brought to you, as almost every episode over the past couple of months has been, by our friends over at Brilliant. Brilliant is an excellent learning enrichment tool for math, science, and computer science that uses the principle of active learning to help you learn those topics much more effectively. So instead of going into a classroom and sitting there passively intaking information, you're going to be immediately thrown into challenging problems that force you to really dig in and work to get the answer. And by doing that, you become a universally better problem solver because it builds that mental ability to dig in and solve problems and make creative solutions. And you can apply that to your career, you can apply that to your personal projects, it's applicable in all areas of life. But additionally, because you are actively learning from the get-go, your interest in the subject is going to remain high, unlike with passive learning. Now, across all of their courses, you're also gonna have access to a very detailed wiki. So if you do find yourself stuck on a particular problem, you can go and dig into the source material and find examples so you can start learning and then come back with what you've learned and apply that to that problem to get it solved. Additionally, there's a huge community with thousands of different learners who are all solving different problems, helping each other out. So it's a great place to go meet other people and have discussions as well as dig into those computer science and math and science topics. Now, I wanna recommend a course every single time I do an ad for Brilliant. So the one I'm going to recommend today is one that I've actually taken myself, which is their computer science 
algorithms course. And if you are somebody who wants to learn how to code or you are a programmer, learning the fundamentals of computer science and learning how algorithms work can make you a better coder because knowing the syntax will get you to a certain point, yes, but understanding algorithms can help you improve the performance of the programs that you create and can help make better applications overall. So definitely check out that course if that is something you were interested in, but they also have dozens of different courses across all of those topical areas. So if you wanna start learning for free today and get 20% off of your annual premium subscription, then be one of the first 83 people to go over to brilliant.org slash collegeinfogeek. Once again, that is brilliant.org slash collegeinfogeek and sign up. Once again, big thanks to Brilliant for being a huge supporter of our show and of College Info Geek in general and for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back into it. Now, I think most people listening to this are probably not in the position where they can hire a cleaning person to come and clean their apartment. So we're not being that relatable right now. But there is a principle here that I think can be applied to other situations. What could you do to start either removing certain things that you have to do in your life or making them more efficient, whether it's batching or whether you, I don't know, if you live in a dorm and you had a group of friends, what if you had a cycle of people who did laundry? So instead of all five of you doing laundry once a week, one person does five loads of laundry every five weeks. Like it's, oh, it's your turn to do laundry this week. Hmm. Yeah. Then you would only have to do laundry every five weeks. That's what we were supposed to do with our lawnmower back in the house when we were in Iowa. Yep. And then that didn't work out so well, well that, but that I, was the I general like, idea. I then, yeah, that didn't work out so well. But then I just paid someone to mow the lawn and that was even better. Yeah. So, cause I just, I view money as a resource and I view time as a resource. You know, they are equivalent. Yeah. In certain yeah. And that's the thing. Time, time is a resource. Is more valuable. Exactly. Yeah. Um, we don't take it seriously when we don't have a lot of money, but time is still a resource that we're spending. Yeah. So for people who are in the period of their lives where they feel they're, they're laying that foundation to allow them to essentially plug in the power drill. How can they start to make their life feel a little bit more balanced without sacrificing the work? We've talked about trying to reduce work hours. Maybe you can't do that. Maybe you can't hire a cleaning person. What are some other things that you can maybe do? Well, uh, you, you may not be able to do this depending on your job but a lot of people are checking work email when they get home. And if you can oh, yeah. find a way to not do that, like separating uh, both the time and the location, I think mm. from work and everything else is is a very useful thing to do. And that's why I like working in a co-working space. Yeah. So if you happen to be like a entrepreneur, work from home kind of person, freelancer, a co-working space can do this for you. Uh, where like you leave this area that's your work area, you come back, you're completely unplugged from work, now you have all of this uninterrupted time to not be working. But if you bring your work email home with you and you keep checking it and answering mm. it, unless you absolutely have to do that, you are, one, interrupting your own life for this, for probably low-value emails, yeah. and two, you're now setting the expectation to other people in the office that you are able to respond after work, oh, it's true. which means they yeah. will now look to you when they need more stuff. Like you're setting a trend that will only get worse and yeah. worse. And maybe uh, that's part of it is learning to say no tactfully. Yeah, I think I think that being able to say like, "Hey, I think we could do this better," or like, "I'm not getting a lot." I think that it would be better if I just could came in like a half hour earlier every day to, to handle all this email, mm -hmm. and then 
nobody talked to me after work because it's not allowing me the time I need. Yeah. You know, just – and, and email is not the only thing. But there are plenty of things in, in work where maybe you find – Actually, this is a pretty inefficient way. Could we whip up some sort of cool automated way? Here's my ideas for how that would work. That kind of stuff could get you a promotion. That's true. Yeah. Actually, I sort of automated myself out of a job once but kept my job Yeah. by doing that because they, they just gave me this this 80-page uh, document to process full of all these research results, and I just created a word macro that did it all. Yeah, like they don't want you to waste your time. It's just yeah. they don't have the time to come up with the solution sometimes. Mm-hmm. So if you've got cool ideas for how to make your job even better, that's something you could do. Yeah. And um, I like your original point about creating real hard separation between your work and your personal life. Yeah. You know, not bringing your work emails home, trying to work somewhere else, and maybe just trying to take that personal time more seriously. Well, you know, like um, those articles that are out there that are like, and they're, they're usually just talking about work time. Yeah. But it's like every time you check an email, right? You're now, you've lost your focus for like the next 20 minutes getting back yeah. into the thing you're trying to do. But that's not just for work. If I'm reading a book and then I get an email and it's like, hey, Martin, did you get this spreadsheet? I just completely lost my sense of either being in a fictional universe or of learning some new topic. And it's yeah. going to be harder to get back into it. Same thing applies to anything. I could be exercising, spending time with Ashley, mm-hmm. like and it doesn't have to be email. Any kind of interruption messes with your focus. And the more we can try to separate things, like if I spent half the day working and half the day relaxing, I will do a better job of both of those yeah. than if I were to every 20 minutes switch between working and relaxing yeah. and live my life in a really confusing sense of not knowing what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and to your point on email and interruptions, perhaps another separation that you need to make inside the work box is specific time for correspondence. Because yesterday, this happened literally yesterday, as I'm coming home from LA, as I'm thinking about all these efficiency things and trying to spend less time working, I got into, and I think this was like an hour long, just loop of correspondence with people. Somebody started texting me and I had met them at the conference. So in my mind, it's like, I don't want to ignore them because I'm trying to build this fledgling relationship. And then somebody on the team starts talking to me in Slack about some important things, but also interspersing it with like, hey, how was your trip to LA? And uh, there's, again, this perceived obligation in my head to be cordial, to talk about what I was doing. And at the same time, an old friend texted me and started talking about his new YouTube channel. And there's this perceived obligation in my head to talk with him. And I also felt like I had to go check out his channel, which was a cool channel actually. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm supposed to be writing. And I feel like I can't start writing because I basically have to tell everyone to go take a hike or turn off all of my communication apps and ghost everyone for half an hour or an hour or something like that. And it just feels like you're gonna hurt people when you do that. So I didn't do it, and I probably wasted an hour. That sounds like one of those uh, – what's that grid where it's like we've got unimportant but urgent things, yeah. important but urgent, and then not urgent, unimportant, and important things? Like yeah. the, the communications, they're not important to be done. They're not as, as valuable as the writing, but no. they're urgent. They need to be responded to now in order for you to feel like you've responded right. Or at least, yeah, to, there's like a fail state, and the fail state in your mind is – they think you're the kind of person who doesn't respond quickly or they're disappointed because you didn't 
respond to their question. But see, you could flip that though, because maybe you don't want to be the kind of person who responds quickly. That's true. Maybe it's <laughs> maybe it's cool if they don't expect a response within the next like hour. They're just like yeah. he'll they'll get to it. Maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's you have to start uh, changing your identity. Yeah, you have to. I'm I'm the guy bit. that's busy, so go to someone else with your immediate needs. That's true. And yeah, and you know, you could probably think of people who don't respond super quickly, like CGP Gray. He's very known for that. People don't hate him for that. No, he's just set an expectation. And I think this there's a lot more to this whole setting of expectations than we could even talk about on one episode, but I think a lot of people get themselves stuck in non-optimal life situations because they are trying to live up to expectations that don't necessarily need to exist. And if you were to just start changing those expectations slightly and politely, I didn't mean to rhyme there, but if you were to do that, you would find yourself a lot happier and you wouldn't lose out on a whole lot. Yeah, the the initial friction of being like, Actually, you can't expect this. Yeah, and maybe of me, it's uh, or maybe ex- of yourself. Ex- yeah, expectations of yourself too. You know, coming home, I before I went to this conference, I expected of myself to be this person who did all my work, who did this awesome creative writing and editing, but also who could manage a business and who could also you know do my fair share of the housework, and and then I had expectations of what the housework was. And I come back and I'm like, what if I just change those expectations? What if I'm just the kind of person who doesn't do housework? I don't do it. Does that make me a jerk? Or are there actions I could take that would make sure those things got done? I still didn't have to do them and I don't have to feel bad about myself. Yeah, I feel like every time that I get stuck on a problem, it it's because there's like some false assumption or expectation. And that's usually like, it definitely works in this situation, but it works in like almost every situation where I'm like, okay, I feel trapped with no answers. So which part of these things that I'm assuming is true or required is actually mm-hmm. a lie? Yeah, or... Another one, uh, sometimes you feel like the expectation is that you always need to say yes to friends. Otherwise, you will become viewed as the person who doesn't go yeah, hang I've, out with I've friends. Yeah, fa- I've fallen prey to this. And I know you have because you've told me there, there are times where I want to stay home and do something, but I feel like if I say no, people are going to see me as yeah, the person I, I stretched myself out. real thin for a long time, <laughs> and then I was doing badly yeah. at like every facet of life, you know? Mm-hmm. But you know what? The, the friends that I view as flaky are the ones that don't do things are only the ones who say they're going to show up and then last minute bail. But if you say you're not going to show up... Yeah, the ones who say, oh, I'm not going to do that. But, you know, they still take time to hang out with you on a regular basis. It's just not... They just don't do every single thing that is planned. You don't hate those people. And I think, you know, this is a communication thing. For instance, just the other day, I was in the car with Anna and we were talking about how much time we spend together, which is almost all of our time at this point because she works with me, we live in the same apartment, and we both go rock climbing all the time. So there are days where we spend the entire day together. And she was like, yeah, it's great. But you know, I would also like to spend some time not together. And it didn't hurt me, I was like, no, that's cool. Like, yeah, you wanna go hang out with friends and have your own life, that's awesome. And I think because we had that conversation yesterday, she said, hey, I'm going to this restaurant with my friends, do you wanna go? I didn't feel bad whatsoever about saying no, yeah. I already planned on training tonight. I'm going to go to the gym. Have no, fun. I'm, I'm glad you brought that point up because, well, first of all, I think that's necessary in a relationship because I on purpose am just like 
we have to have times where we do stuff and we're not together and you have to have people you can talk to that aren't me and vice versa. Yep. I want to spend so much time with you. But if there isn't ever time to be singular people, we will meld together and become <laughs> we become a we all the time. Yeah. And I don't want to be a we all the time. Mm-hmm. I have my things I like. If we tried to meld our reading preferences, it wouldn't possibly work. Neither mm-hmm. one of us would read the other's books at all. Like it just doesn't – we're two separate another- people and we have to be. That's another expectation I feel you've set pretty well. Yeah, and well, like, and I'm just not going to read the books you recommend sometimes. <laughs> and and well, and then um, like if we're not the, the separate people are who liked each other in the first place. Yeah, right. True. So this is like people talk about work life balance, but now we're in a sort of a subsection of relationship plus personal life balance, yeah. which I think gets overlooked a lot. You're supposed to give everything mm-hmm. in your relationship, but I don't think you're really supposed to give everything. You yeah. should be yourself still. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot here, man. <laughs> That's because life is complicated. That's true. Uh, so I wrote on here that I wanted to talk about the reversal of, I suppose, the overarching question. And try not to choke and die, please. <clears throat> Hold on. I'm just let me think about whether that belongs in my lungs. It doesn't. Oh, that's an interesting... Work-life balance includes making sure that food and fluids go into your digestive tract and oxygen goes into... Either I'm fine or there is now now Perrier in my lungs. One of the two, but I I seem to be breathing. (laughs) It's a hard separation. (laughs) Air goes in the lungs and Perrier goes in... No, my food air balance is not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a good analogy. When you let your work seep into your personal life, it's like breathing Perrier, okay? Yeah, it's a... I mean, it tasted good. <laughs> tasted good until it went down your throat. We'll see what happens. Because <laughs> there's no taste buds. It'll probably lungs. be fine. I wanted to talk about the reversal because there are so many people on the internet who talk about the reversal here, which is, do you even need balance? What if you want to be great? What if you want to be like world-class at something and sacrifice exactly, yeah. the rest of the... And that, that, cause that seems to be the implication with books like essentialism mm-hmm. where it seems to be, well, doesn't that mean we should have the one thing with the longest, most powerful arrow? I mean, I guess you could simplify things to the point where my one thing is I want to have a happy, balanced life. Okay. Now solve that problem. Ah, uh, that's you cheated you know? the system. I did cheat the system. Nice. I wonder if Gary Keller and whoever wrote essentialism are shaking their fists at me now. You can't make your one thing a multifaceted, balanced and happy life. Yeah, with many new things. Well, at the, at the same time, I don't think like they have to do the one arrow with the the most long, the longest line versus the many short arrows to prove their point. But I don't think the intention is ever completely to have one arrow. Yeah, we get lost up in that idea and then try to kill ourselves off mm-hmm. to be the greatest something. Well, I wanted to mention the reversal here because I don't think that it is wrong to want to be great and dedicate your life to something. I, I think we've talked a lot on this podcast about the fact that you don't have to do that because most of self-development internet culture seems to point the other way. You got to sacrifice and you got to hustle and focus on one thing if you want to be great. Otherwise, you're going to be mediocre. And I've just wanted to sort of put this alternative stance out there that you can be 85% good at many things and be okay with that. Um, the guy who founded... Patagonia, I forget his name and I can't pronounce it anyway, but he wrote something to his, to this effect in one of his books where he's like, I'm the kind of athlete who's totally okay with getting 80% of the way and then moving on to the next thing. 
and I'll never be elite at anything. But if you want to be elite, maybe this is another area where you just need to change your expectation. Maybe you don't need to expect yourself to have a super balanced life if you have something that seems to be more important than that. Go for that. Well, I guess the, fine. the balance doesn't have to be like evenly divided. Yeah. It doesn't, have, be it doesn't have to be a literal balance. It's more like personal. Is that balance for you? Yeah. Like what percentages would you, would you want? And maybe that's a useful yeah. thing to do. Like put like work, relationship, uh, personal hobbies, ex- like what percentage do you think they deserve mm-hmm. for your personal life? And then how are you doing right now? Which, yeah. which ones are the ones that need evaluated? And ask yourself how you could maybe meld things together or amp the intensity instead of the time investment in certain areas. So for example, Anna and I go rock climbing pretty much every time we go to the gym, which means that my athletic, excuse me, my athletics and my health are now entwined with my relationship development because I'm doing something athletic with her. And we're not just like on treadmills with headphones in just physically close to each other, but not talking. I'm belaying her, she's belaying me, or at the bouldering area, helping each other out with problems. It's a real interaction while also being exercise. You're getting them two for one points. Yeah, exactly. Or what if you got a standing desk or optimized your work environment so you could be a little bit healthier while you were working. But also, I wanted to talk about upping the intensity because I feel that my personal life has gotten good because I have intentionally went and made it better, made the hours better instead of putting in more hours. Yeah. And I think the catalyst for this was actually us deciding to move. And we had, yeah. this is kind of funny. We had this whole discussion about like, oh, your average day is probably the same no matter where you live. So why live somewhere super expensive? And I still agree with that. Yeah. As a general principle, most people have an average day where you you don't go skiing every single day you don't go to a theme park every single day you don't go travel the world every day and that means you probably shouldn't be optimizing for those things you should be optimizing for what makes you happy on an average daily basis but we decided to move away from denver and as a result i started getting into some things that i probably wouldn't be able to do once i left denver at least with the the plan to move back to iowa uh, my cousin came to town and I was like, you know what I'm not going to be able to do when I move? Go mountain biking. So let's try that. And then I fell in love with mountain biking. Terrible idea, really. You, <laughs> you set yourself up for that problem, really. Got a, no, This isn't a problem, though. I got a mountain bike and when it was warm, I was going to the bike parks like every day and superbly enjoying my personal time. And then Anna and I decided to try rock climbing because I want to now do Ninja Warrior and that's good training. And now we love rock climbing. And... Uh, I finally overcame my fears and started vocal lessons, which is something I've wanted to do for years. But every single time I got close to it, I'd look at the page on the internet for the, the coach I found and tell myself, oh, it's too expensive, which was just a thinly veiled excuse for, I'm very scared to go into a room and sing with another human being present and judging me. But I'll just tell myself, no, that's not it. I'm tough. I'm, I'm outgoing, but it's, it's, it's expensive. That's why. That's not why. You know, I spend money on tons of like food items I shouldn't buy. It was the fear. So I got over that fear, started doing those things, and I'm like fulfilled in my music goals. I'm fulfilled in athletics. And those were hours that I didn't tack on to the things I was previously doing. I just sort of replaced them. So I'm playing fewer video games now. I'm 
watching less TV or generally wasting time in other ways. And my personal life feels a lot more fulfilling even though I haven't reduced the work hours to create that fulfillment. I'm just using my time more effectively. Now, you've upgraded your average day by taking yes. out things that aren't as important to you, like video games, yeah, and just swapped it out with other stuff. Because mm-hmm. you, you can definitely change your average day. Yeah. It's just that you still want your average day to be happy, and you seem to have done a good job of making sure the right things are there. And I've started cooking again. You know, a lot. I think we got into a, a rut for a while a few months ago where we were ordering Chinese takeout like way too often because maybe I'd waste too much time at work or maybe I would spend time playing a video game that I didn't really care that much about and then it would get to be eight or nine o'clock and all of a sudden there's no time to eat. So now I started planning, all right, if I'm not going to the gym tonight, then I'm gonna buy ingredients and I'm gonna cook something tonight. And if I'm going to the gym later this week, then I have to plan ahead and either be okay with going out to eat or be okay with fasting or be okay with making something ahead of time and having leftovers. I think like better planning along those lines can also go a long way to making you feel more balanced. Yeah. Well, I think I think we like you're talking about increasing the effectiveness of how you spend your time. Yeah. Which is really what a lot of productivity things at least should boil down to because that's the thing we control, right? I can't have a 25th hour, but I can be more focused for an hour. Yeah. And I just, I just think um Oh, man, what was I going to say? There was something really good there. It's gone now. <laughs> it's gone. Hold on. Hold on. I'll get it back. No. What could it be? Not yet. I don't know. There was a point that I was going to make, and I don't even remember what it was related to now. Hmm. Oh, no. This almost never happens. You're talking about uh, using time. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, I got it. I got it back. Okay. Okay. Cool. So, you know, this is kind of related to how you talk about that, that summer you – you, the time you quit everything so that you oh, could yeah. do, do College Info Geek. 2012. And then because you had all this extra time to do the one task, you were giving yourself permission to do it inefficiently. Yeah, so, that was horrible. So <laughs> um, something actually that I've been trying to do, I talked about trying to do small goals and then set up some new ones mm-hmm. in November. I'm trying to say I can have these several small daily goals, but in, but in multiple things where I could scare myself up and say, do you have the time for multiple daily habits right now? Yeah. Maybe you only have the time for one. But the thing is, under a little more pressure, I actually spend my time better, just like you right. did when you had school and college info geek or a job and college info geek. And you had to like, when you have a limited amount of time, you actually try to use it. But if yeah. I say I have 24 hours to cook dinner, I'm gonna be so lazy all day but if i say that okay i've got 24 hours i need to cook dinner i need to exercise i'd like to read some stuff and i I do have some work to do i can still accomplish all of that yeah because there was no reason for one of those tasks to take more time you know it's really silly i take so long to write video scripts usually but you were coming down and i had an hour i had an hour to get showered and get the podcast show notes prepped and have Anna set up the the set here. So I started writing down my thoughts for the next episode we were going to do. And eventually it coalesced into something that I could easily make a video on its own, no extra research. And I'm going to. Yeah. And this, this is like (laughs) the thing sometimes in order to increase your effectiveness, you just need to to raise the pressure and you Mm -hmm. may not even think that you're going to be able to, like it's unreasonable, but 
Uh, we do a lot. Why do you think everybody completes everything like an hour before it's due? Because we, we procrastinate all our school assignments yeah. or all of our work or whatever until the last moment. You only ever needed that last hour or two. Mm-hmm. You've just wasted all this time thinking you were going to do it better or yeah. something. Yeah, and this is where that paradox comes in where a lot of people will say, why would you time block? Why would you set deadlines for yourself? Doesn't that make you like a robot? Doesn't that erode your freedom, dude? And no, it doesn't because it, you get your stuff done and then you have free time. Yeah, I love time blocking. I guess it would make me a robot if I time blocked like the next month. If you time blocked everything. Right, yeah. because eventually I would be like, but I don't, I don't actually care about this week's goals anymore. Yeah. But then I would be a robot. But if I time block today, that means that I can say, this is about how much time that work should take. I'll make it a little longer, mm-hmm. but only a little longer. Yeah. Not not like five hours of extra leeway that I didn't need. Yeah, exactly. And then I can take actual breaks. And I think this is an important part of getting the feeling of work-life balance. The breaks you take from work, you can make them something you like. If I take a break and I'm at, I'm at work, I'm a regular job, like uh, my previous job. I'm just sitting in the break room, just on my phone reading articles or Reddit or something. Or I could go for a walk and write some music in my head. I could read yeah. a book. I could go get a workout in during my lunch break. If you do your personal things and make sure that your break time is spent like doing something that you would choose on purpose, you can feel balanced just by better using your lunch break. Yeah. Just because you have a personal thing you like every day. Dude, my boss at my internship back at uh, the financial company, he owned a small jujitsu gym. So for his lunch breaks, he would just go there and teach a class and get a workout in. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's like, He's spending the same lunch break, yeah. right, as everybody else. but And then he would just come back and like eat at his desk while working. That, that sounds way better balanced. had some work-life balance because came to work. I mean, had a normal, typical office job with a cubicle, but uh, went and did jujitsu. And as soon as he took break. the tie off, he was an expert fighter. Yeah. Well, he's probably an expert fighter even with the tie on. Oh. You could use that tie I thought maybe the tie would make all the difference. <laughs> it's like cutting off Samson's hair. He put the tie on and lose all my strength. Yeah. But then, he, yeah, just got in his truck, went home, had time with his family. Like, it's good balance. And it was just using his lunch break differently than you feel you're expected to do. You know? And honestly, I would rather feel a little bit like a robot and get my work done at a good hour and know I have time to practice guitar and go rock climbing and come back home and cook dinner than to feel like I'm totally free, man, and realize I spent a total of three hours in little pockets here and there watching stupid YouTube videos, which I know that I am liable to do if I give myself all day long to complete one task or if I don't feel like there's some pressure on so for me, creating that pressure is part of work-life balance. And I, I want to get to a point, and I want to do this in the next month or two. I want to get to a point where I work five hours a day. And that's it. Because I want to put more time into athletics and being a musician and relationships and things You'll like that. You'll probably get the same work or better done. I think I would, absolutely. Because if, if I sit there and I actually start the Pomodoro clock and I actually write, I can get a video written in half an hour sometimes. Maybe sometimes it requires research. But you know what? I could hire a researcher. That's another thing where I felt, that's my secret sauce. Only I can do that. And then I tested it. And I gave one of the people at Standard a research task because he's a researcher. And he came back with more research than I would have found. 
and conclusions and highlighted uh, snippets from the abstracts and results. I'm like, this would have taken me like two full days to do. And I didn't have to do it. And all I have to do is pay you some money. Okay. As, as far as you're concerned, it just magically happened. You yeah. know, you don't, you don't have to sit there and watch them do it. So all that time is just yours exactly. now. Yeah. So I think, I think part of a huge part of work-life balance is managing expectations, challenging yourself and what you think only you can do or what you think only you should do. And I think you're going to find that there are things that you could delegate or get rid of or automate or maybe be okay with having a little bit less money, but getting more time back because you pay someone to deal with them for you. Yeah. You know, like I was looking at the laundry service and I think it's, it's $3 per iron per shirt ironed. And if you go with one of their bags, it's like a flat $35 fee. So I'm like, all right, if I have to get three shirts ironed and do my laundry, uh, that's, you know, what is that? Um, $44. That seems crazy for laundry. And maybe it is, maybe there's a better price out there, but what is an hour of my time worth? Because it probably takes me an hour to do my laundry. I think it's worth more than $44. Yeah, you just said you could write a video script in a half hour if you set the Pomodoro. Exactly. So that's, what's that, two video scripts? Yeah. Like for $44? I, I've, I've never thought I could do this, but could I get to a point in my life where there's two videos a week on my channel that are still the same level of quality because I've delegated out research for some of them and I've delegated out editing to our editor so I'm not spending dozens of hours editing. I have never even let myself consider that seriously because I've always expected myself to do everything and do laundry and cook and all these things. If I did two hour, or two videos a week, it would pay for many, many, many $44 laundry loads. Yeah. So easily. It just, it wouldn't even, it wouldn't even be a question of whether it was worth it. It Yeah. If you, if you had succeeded in that goal, you would be like, wow, I was dumb to even question this. It was obvious. Let me make this more relatable. Let's say you are a recent grad and you have, you have some amount of disposable income, but not a whole ton. You know, you're not like crushing and balling with a six figure business, but you've got like enough money that you can go out to eat often enough. You can buy new clothes, all that kind of stuff, but you want to make more. Does it make sense to go to your job and come home? And if you don't like to cook, spend all your time cooking and spend your time dealing with errands and mowing your lawn and doing laundry. Or what if you paid someone to mow your lawn, you paid someone to do your laundry and you subscribe to like Freshly, which just sends you basically microwavable meals that are better than TV dinners. You're getting leftovers. It's like 60, yeah, but it's like, it's what, 60 bucks a month, I think. So yeah, 60 bucks a month for that, maybe 45 for your laundry a month and you pay somebody 35 for your lawn. That's 140 bucks. And what if you took all the time you saved from that and you studied to get a certification in your field that allowed you to get a $5,000 raise or a $10,000 raise or get a better job. Yeah, or just do stuff that you enjoy and you're like, yep, I was willing to pay a hundred and some dollars to read three extra books this month. That's what I wanted. That's true. Good purchase. Yeah. I would buy time in a heartbeat. If I could just buy time and the thing is through this, I can if I figure out how to do it. Yeah, or here's a question. How much do people spend on gas who commute to work every day? Probably 140 bucks a month. And, what if you, and all the time. What if of, you bike to work, <laughs> of com- got healthier, saved $140 on your gas bill, which everyone thinks is okay to buy because that's the thing that Americans do. It's totally normal. And you spent your $140 on a cleaning person and a laundry service 
and you just got healthy and read three extra books this month. Yeah, and you feel like some like you know hoity-toity, snooty bourgeois person, but you're spending the same amount of money. You're just spending it on cleaning services that save you time instead of gas. Yeah, and it's it's about questioning assumptions. The assumption is I can't get to work any other way. Uh, People in Minnesota ride bikes. Do you know what Minnesota winters are? Biking culture. Do you you know what they they are? If people can bike in a Minnesota winter, I can bike in like anything other than a hurricane. Yeah, like you know, it's it's usually these little assumptions or excuses that Mm -hmm. we're making that are holding us back because changing in some ways like that is hard. It would be hard to build up the tolerance to winter biking. I would hate it for like the first month I did it probably, but eventually you'd just be like, that's the thing I do. Mm -hmm. And now it's paid off. And that's just one example. I'm not telling everyone they have to bike in the winter. No. But, and I'm not telling everyone they have to hire a cleaning You have to now. You're not allowed to be productive if you don't bike in the winter. (laughs) Yeah. That's it. It'll put meat on your bones or hair on your chest or something. Yeah, like sorry that. if you don't, don't live somewhere where winter occurs. Yeah, but let's say you, you know, say you live super far away from your work. Maybe biking isn't feasible. Yeah. All I'm saying is this is an example of challenging your assumptions and asking yourself, why do I do the things I do? Is it because it seems like the normal thing to do? Yeah, and when or you write them all down, like sense. you said, you know, write down all the stuff you do in the workday. That's mm-hmm. that's a good way of finding out because we don't think about these activities. Yeah. Except for like the moments we're doing them, we probably don't spend all day thinking, hmm, why am I cooking dinner later? Because it seems obvious at yeah. first glance. It's because I want to eat. Yeah. You know, and I like to cook sometimes, so that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't, then don't cook. Though, another challenge, do you not like to cook or have you simply not learned? Because I used to be the kind of person who said I hate cooking and it was because I was disorganized. I never had ingredients on hand and I didn't know what I was doing. So usually I would put in all this effort and time to make something that didn't really taste that great. But I learned a few recipes, learned to sharpen my knife and went out and bought ingredients ahead of time. And now it's great. Take it out of the fridge, put in an audiobook, cook dinner, and it's super enjoyable. There's like nothing I'd rather eat except for maybe my favorite restaurant, but that's like a hundred bucks every time you go. So yeah. Exactly. Anywho, I think that probably covers it. I I think it's interesting that this ended up being like an episode about basically the secret to life is to challenge all of your assumptions and expectations. (laughs) That's work-life balance, man. You know? How can you balance? It got deeper than the title may have have made me assume. Dude, the title was literally there because I wanted to talk about all these things people told me at the LA conference. Like Ben saying they only work three hours a day and that he hired cleaning people and uh, Roberto telling me about the cycles of work. Like these, these things have been on my mind for the past few days and I've taken action on them and I feel like they're going to make some huge improvements in my life. So I wanted to talk about them. I felt like work-life balance was the best possible label for it. Yeah, well, I think if but, you follow a lot of this stuff, you can get a lot better work-life balance if you just... Yeah. Really, a, a lot of people would probably be much happier if they just had one thing they liked that they got to do for a little bit every yeah. day. Just a little bit, like a, a thing you wake up excited to do mm-hmm. would make a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I do think we worship complexity and we would be happier living simpler lives. We just sort of reject that because it seems too easy or it seems like giving up. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, hopefully there was some food for thought in that episode for you guys. Um, 
And I'm very aware of the fact that I no longer use very relatable examples for college students. <laughs> but I think I just have to own it. Like I am who I am. Yeah. And like I, I can sit there and try to come up with better examples ahead of time, but I'm a lot of the times just going to talk about what is pertinent to my life. But just like I do with the people I read about who are way different than me or, you know, at a higher level or older, I'm always looking for the principle behind the example. Yeah. Instead of fixating on, you know, the dollar amount or or whatever specific it is, thing that it is, I'm asking like, what is the lesson I can pull out from their experience and apply it to my life? So hopefully for the people who are still in college, since this podcast still has the name college in it. Yeah. <laughs> listening to people who are five years into their career, that's what you can take from it. Yeah. Well, if you're not, if you don't take advice and then like apply it to your specific life, like I don't really see any advice being super useful. You've got that's to find true. a way to apply it to yourself. Yeah. Because I could go mountain biking every day, but I just don't want to. That wouldn't make yeah. me feel like I had a better balance. I would just be like, what am I doing here? <laughs> Probably getting ready to I, I might, again. I might want, yeah, I'm going to break all my other fingers. I might do this sometimes, but I didn't want to do it every day. So, wow, I followed Tom's advice, and now I'm just wasting <laughs> all my time over here. That doesn't make sense. You have to apply advice or it's useless. Exactly, yeah. And that's for any advice, not just this podcast. Anyway, I think this is a, a good stopping point. So if you want to find the show notes for this episode, I don't know if we talked about talked about essentialism. You mentioned um, that one food thing where they said Oh, you, Freshly. That one. I yeah. can't think so of it. So we'll, we'll link to Freshly and we'll link to essentialism and maybe some other episodes we've done on work-life balance topics related to this one. I don't know if we have. Maybe we have. Uh, in the show notes at CIGpodcast.com slash 234 because this is episode 234 Hey, it's a sequential number. We're not going to get another one of those until episode 345. Here's to that one. I think we also mentioned that back in episode 123. It's going to be possibly. a great episode. What, 345? That's the one. That's the best <laughs> that's episode. Be the best one ever. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. That's, it's like that's a, two that's a while. years until then. That's a while More from than two now. two years. Yeah. Until then, if you were watching this on YouTube, you can find that show notes link in the description down below. And if you want to support this podcast, if you like it and you want to see it grow in the future, make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That'll get you new episodes to your device of choice every Monday at whenever we publish, what, 6 a.m.? There's time zones. It's around that time yeah, in our time zone. Yeah. <laughs> Early. Early, yes. And if you really like the show, share it with a friend. Maybe share your favorite episode with them and give us a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. That helps bump us up the rankings and also tells us what we could improve on and what you guys like that we should keep doing. Last but not least, collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. It's the place you can go to find our college packing guide, our list of essential books for students, and lots of other cool, uh, cool gear and tools and apps and other cool things that you might want to use to improve your life as a student or possibly as not a student if you're like a professional person you I'm know a student of life man yeah yeah exactly man yeah <laughs> anyway thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and we will see you in the next week's episode stay cute